Chappell one. There we go. Good evening, everyone. If you'll just, uh, we're going to have the words to the songs on the screen behind me tonight, but uh, we're going to start the service with Stephen playing "Away in the Manger" on the piano. All you faithful, the words are right here behind me. As we get started tonight, let's go ahead and stand with me if you would, and let's sing it out tonight. Oh, come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the King of angels. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Sing choirs of angels. Sing in exaltation, O oh, sing, all ye bright hosts of heaven above. Glory to God, all oh, glory in the highest. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him, Christ the Lord. Yea, Lord, we greet Thee. When this happy morning, Jesus, to Thee be all glory give. Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Amen. You can be seated. And uh, we'll be changing things back and forth just a little bit, but... I told you we'd be doing something different. We're going to have Deborah 
read the Christmas story as we get started tonight. And so we're going to try to have some slides along with those. So just listen closely as she reads through the Christmas story. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph her husband being a just man and not willing to make her a public example was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things behold the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not, take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted, is God with us. Then Joseph raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not, till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Sing Silent Night. Let's sing it out tonight. Silent Night. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round yon virgin mother and child, holy infant so tender and mild, sleep in Heavenly peace, sleep in heavenly peace. Savior is born. Let's sing the last two verses. Silent night, holy night, Son of God, love's pure light, radiant beams from thy holy face, with the dawn of redeeming grace. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth, 
Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. Silent night, holy night, wondrous star, and thy light with the angels let us see. Alleluia to Christ our Savior is born, Christ our Savior is born. And you may be seated. Out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And all went to be taxed, every one into its, his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, and unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, to be taxed with Mary his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swine clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there is no room for them in the inn. Let's stand one more time, and we're going to sing, O Little Town of Bethlehem. Where me 
angels will receive him still, but dear Christ enters in. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in, be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels a great glad tidings tell. Oh, come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. Amen. You may be seated. walked by night, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, and this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which is come to pass which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the same which was told them concerning this child. And all they had heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorified and great praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them.
Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea uh, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born, king of the Jews? For we have seen the star of the east, and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou in Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. When Herod, when he had had privily called the wise men, inquired of men diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them into Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and myrrh and frankincense. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared in, to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed the reading of the Christmas story that is often a uh, tradition in many families uh, at this time of the year and um, just before we get into the the message portion here of the mess of the service ask Jesus, uh, Julia to come excuse me and to sing a song she has written would you come and bow and so just listen as we prepare for the preaching of the word
There's a lot that goes on this time of year, and most people are willing to worship the baby Jesus. There's no commitment to worshiping a child. Uh, the most wonderful thing, I think, about having children, and, and have a little experience in that area there of children and, and babies and and, uh, but one of the most wonderful things about a baby is how innocent and helpless they are. Babies need you. And we love to be needed. Amen? We want to do something. We want to help. We want to be able to uh, get something accomplished for the Lord. We want to do things. But during this Christmas season, I'd like for us just to take this evening in the darkness here, and we're not going to cover a lot of Scripture tonight, so you, you shouldn't need to read too much, but just listen, and, and, and we'll have you uh, home before 10, I promise. But uh, as we think about worshiping Christ, there are some things that are attached to that. And, and what I would like for us to do this evening, Christmas Eve, is as we contemplate the birth of Jesus, as we look at these things, and, and uh, I don't know about your home, but in my home, uh, every Christmas Eve, in spite of all the uh, things and preparations that were going on, uh, it might be very late at night, but my parents would all gather us there in the living room, my two brothers and I, and... And uh, sometimes they'd have to tie us down with bungee cords and all of that for the excitement and everything that was going on. But 
we would read the Christmas story. And uh, I couldn't think of a better thing to do on Christmas Eve than just read the Christmas story and think about the things that happened. Because those events were real. That little baby was born in a cave where they keep the animals. And uh, in, in the feed dish, for the for the cows, the where they they put the the food and stored the food for the animals is where the Creator God of this world was laid after He was born. I mean, it just it, it, it's amazing. And and we finished with the wise men, and that's where we're going to start tonight, because Christ was worshipped in the Scriptures. As a natural, as a natural and normal and proper response to his person, the wise men knew who they were coming to seek and to find. They were coming, searching for the Messiah, for God in the flesh. And as soon as they found him, now according to the biblical record, Jesus was already. Uh, close to two years old at this time. They have been traveling for, or, or maybe even a little over. The Bible says that uh, when Herod went to try to wipe out the, uh, the Lord Jesus as an infant, that he killed all the children two years old and under. You'll notice in the Scripture that he went to the house, not to the manger. But as soon as... As they found him, they worshipped him because it is the natural, proper, right, whatever adjective you want to put in there. If God were to walk in this room immediately, every one of us would fall on our face and worship him because of who he is. That is the normal response to God. We get so comfortable with this idea of God that we would think we would say, well, Jesus, come on in, have a seat on the couch. Oh, here, let me move that uh, Sports Illustrated magazine out of the way and, uh, you know, we'll shut off this dirty commercial because you walked in. Uh, how are you doing? And we, 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 tr we treat, if not uh, physically and in reality, but... We, we treat God so common that we think He's just the neighbor from next door visiting us. When the wise men met Him, they immediately fell down before Him. You know, there was someone else in the Gospel record who did the same thing. And this will seem really strange to most of you. But the only other person that I found in the gospel record who already knew who Jesus was and as soon as he was in this man's presence came running and kneeled and worshipped him was the demon-possessed man in Gadara. You see, those demons in that man knew who Jesus was. And when Jesus stepped off that ship, he was in their area. And they came running. The Bible says there were many of them. They came running to worship 
the Lord Jesus. Someday I'm going to preach a sermon on Sunday morning about does the devil treat God better than you do? I mean, we've got to stop and think about that. You say, Pastor, Christmas Eve isn't the time to think of I can't think of a better time to think about those things. Because Jesus wasn't born to be the centerpiece of the manger set. Amen? He is God, the creator of the universe. He spoke and everything that now is out of nothing became. Do we worship Him? Do we give Him the respect due to His very existence? I don't know about you, but I struggle with that every day because we struggle against sin. Amen? Every time we sin, this is probably the greatest problem with sin in your life is it takes you away. You cannot worship God and sin at the same time. You've got to break the first commandment before you break any of the other 612 that are in God's law. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. When you step up and you say, I can do what I want to do in spite of what God has said, what have you just done? You have put yourself or someone else in the place of God. If we're going to worship Him, we need to know who He is. Amen? But there were others who worshiped Christ as well. These were people who were coming to Jesus and asking Him. It's strange that Jesus as God uh, is worshipped so very few times. I mean, is the actual words worshipped Him, referring to Jesus Christ, used in the Bible, in the Gospel record. I have three of them down here on, in my notes. In Matthew chapter 8, there was a leper king. And he worshipped Jesus. And he asked Jesus to do something that only God could do. He said, And behold, there came a leopard and a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus said, I will. And Jesus made him clean. He cleansed him from his leprosy. And leprosy is one of those things in the Bible. Uh, we look at it today. And of course, uh, believe it or not, we've had people attending Open Door Bible Baptist Church who have had leprosy and you would never know it. Uh, they were taking, uh, it, it's still quite a difficult thing to treat even to this day, but leprosy is a treatable disease in our day and, and people don't even think about it. But in, in Jesus' day, leprosy was a death sentence. But the Bible never called a person with leprosy sick. It always called them unclean. And the reason why is leprosy is a picture of sin. God wanted to use that disease to help you and I understand how awful sin is. Uh, there's a set of ads uh, running uh, all through the city of New York 
about uh, the disease hepatitis. And uh, I don't know how many of you saw those, but it said if hepatitis did to your face what it did to your liver, and it had some guy and he was all beat up, he said, you do something about it. And uh, because and the, imp the, the, the purpose of the ads was if, if you only knew what this thing was doing to you, you'd get it solved. I'll tell you, anything hepatitis can do, sin does a hundred times worse. If you only knew what it was doing to you, we won't do this tonight, but sometime, uh, you ought to study the disease of leprosy. I, I'm not going to show you any pictures tonight because it would, it would make you ill. And it would be so grotesque, that's all you would remember tonight. And that's not our goal. We want you to remember to worship the Lord. Leprosy is an incredible disease. And it's interesting that the second time in our New Testament this word worship is mentioned, it is someone with the disease of leprosy coming to Jesus and said, If thou wilt, says, You can make me clean. But what did he do before he asked? He worshiped him. The next, it says, While he spake these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler. Jesus was teaching the multitudes. The ruler was the ruler of the synagogue. I believe it's Luke's gospel that tells us his name is Jairus. And he came, the Bible tells us, and worshipped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead, but come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. Now, this is an unusual verse. I'm reminded of the verse. We had somebody stop by this afternoon that used to attend services here in the 1950s as a little boy when this building was a synagogue. And uh, he talked about some of the things that went on in, in the building. And this ruler of the synagogue, he was a chief rabbi of the local synagogue there. He was a man who spent his whole life studying teaching and preaching the Bible. At that time, all he had was what we now call the Old Testament. And yet it's interesting, the first thing he does when he meets Jesus is what? He worships him. Now, this is a man who had to understand the laws of God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Thou shalt not fall down unto them. Thou shalt not uh, the bi bow thyself down. The Bible goes through. God is very exacting that worship is something that belongs to God and God alone. And if anybody understood the import of that and taught others about it, it was the ruler of the synagogue. And yet, when he came to Jesus, he worshipped him because he knew that Jesus is God. Yet he had a request. His request was one of total desperation. He said, my daughter is even now dead. I'll tell you, I stand before you tonight and I praise God that I can think about what this man went through, but I've never had a child that sick. 
And I thank the Lord for that. But this man was desperate. His daughter would die. In fact, before Jesus got there, by the time Jesus and Jairus got there, what had happened? The mourners had already started. And when they came and they told him, Don't trouble the master any farther. Your daughter's already dead. He can't do anything now. I love that part, don't you? The world always wants to limit God. They always want to say, Well, He can do this, but I know He parted the Red Sea, but uh, I, I know God is great, but they always have that little but in there. They always want to say, Well, you know, and, and the problem is not God tonight, my friend. The problem's us. But Jairus had done the right thing. He had worshipped him. Amen. And Jesus looked at him and said, Only believe. And he did. And he was to embrace his daughter again, living, and watch her grow up. Even as the people were out on his front porch, they had just laughed the Creator God of heaven to scorn, the Bible says. They were still mocking him. What's that Jesus think he's going to do? She's dead. And Jarius came out and said, you all can go away. I said, well, what about the funeral? Well, don't worry about that. We're going to take care of that later. He didn't tell him maybe 50 or 60 years later. Because... Jesus said not to make the thing known. So he didn't give them any explanation. He just sent them away. And I mean, they were sitting there arguing with each other and trying to figure out what this crazy Jarius was doing. And It didn't take him too long to see that daughter running around again. Jesus worshipped him. I mean, he worshipped Jesus. But he was asking Jesus something that only God could do. The last one of these that we're going to deal with was the one the Bible calls, we call the Syrophoenician woman. She was a Canaanite. She lived in Syria. And she was somehow connected to the Philistines. I mean, God's favorite people, right? Remember Goliath? He was a Philistine. And yet this woman would not leave Jesus and the disciples alone. In fact, by the time it was all done, Jesus had called her a dog. He had already ignored her. The disciples said, Lord, we've tried to ignore her, but she won't go away. And Jesus said, listen, I'm not sent to you Gentiles. I'm sent to the children of Israel. And yet she kept at it. And it says, she worshipped him. That's when Jesus called her a dog. He said, it's not feet. He really did. He said, it's not meat to take the bread of the children and cast it to the dogs. He said, how could Jesus be so cruel? He wasn't. He wanted to show something to the nation of Israel and to all the world. that we 
worship God for who he is, not for what he does for us. We worship God because he is God. If you're here tonight and you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you've trusted in him. There's only one reason why you've done that. It was because you were willing, as this woman was, to be honest with God about who you are and what you are. There's not a one of us that deserve what God has given us. Amen? And yet, as we come to God and we worship Him, He will never turn us away. Amen? In fact, when it was all done, He said, Woman, great is thy faith. You know, Jesus said that about only two people in His entire ministry. One was the Roman centurion whose servant was healed. The other was the Syrophoenician woman. Because this woman worshipped him because she knew who he was. And when you get saved, we do exactly the same thing. We're like the leper, are we not? We have a disease called sin. And it is more hideous and 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 offensive to God than any grotesque pictures I could show you of the deformity of that real disease. God hates sin so much that He sent His Son to be born of the Virgin Mary and live 33 and a half years on this earth and be nailed to an old rugged cross to be spit upon by the very men that He created, to be beaten, and to give His life so you and I could go free. That's how much God hates sin. Until you recognize that you are even now dead. Dead in trespasses and sins. Amen? And you must come to the Savior and ask Him life. And you must, as this woman did, understand that, that we are not deserving of the least of God's mercies. Yet, if we'll recognize Him for who He is and worship Him and ask Him for what only He can do, He will save us. Amen? Now, there's just one more group. These are the people that worshiped Christ as they recognized who He was. Some of us, it takes a while. Amen? I don't know about you, but I, I usually don't get it the first time through. Brother Shaw and I do a lot of projects in the church. And uh, he says, I think I got it. I said, I think I need to sit down and read the instructions again. He said, what do you want those for? I said, because I don't, I don't got it yet. I, I, it's going to take a while. And, and pretty soon, about the time we get finished, I got it. Amen. And, uh, but, I mean, some of us, it takes a while. How many of you remember the story Brother Clayton preached about just a couple Sundays ago on Peter walking on the water? And uh, I love that story. He had sent the disciples, put them in the ship, and they were all night rowing. It's about somewhere between 3 and 4 in the morning. And they're there. They've only gotten two and a half miles across this lake. And they've been trying to get across all night long. All of a sudden, 
they see something. Now, when you're out in the middle of a lake, the last thing you expect to do is pick up hitchhikers. Amen? Here comes this thing walking. And they didn't know what it was. And I'll tell you what, I don't care how big and strong those men were, they were screaming like little girly men, don't you think? I mean, they were trying to climb out of the boat, and then they remembered where they were. That thing kept coming at them, and they didn't know what it was. Finally, Jesus got close enough, and he said, It's I, be not afraid. Old Peter had to speak up. Well, Lord, if it's really you, I want to do what you're doing. She said, Come on out. And Peter went to walk on the water. But then he took his eyes off the Lord, didn't he? And he began to sink, and he cried out, and, and Jesus reached out and saved him and, and picked him up out of the water. And I don't believe that Jesus picked Peter up and carried him to the boat. But I'll tell you what, holding Jesus' hand, I think I could walk on water. How about you? But I, I, I wouldn't step out just because he said so, I'm afraid. I'm, I'm, I don't have that kind of faith. I'd want to be holding on to something, amen? And the Bible says that the wind ceased and they were at land and they got out of that boat. And they said, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This isn't a prophet. This is God. It says... Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. How many of you remember the blind man from John chapter 9? In John chapter 9, there was a man that had been born blind, and Jesus walked by and gave him sight and, and uh, went on his way, and the man had no idea really who Jesus was, and and before the whole day was over, he was sitting in the group of the Pharisees and the religious leaders and, and saying, well, listen, the guy uh, anointed my eyes. He told me to do what I was supposed to do, and I did it, and now I can see. That's all I know. And before the whole thing was over, they said, well, you can be his disciple but we'll, we'll be Moses' disciples. Now, let me ask you a question. Is that a fair choice? Did you have to reject Jesus to believe in Moses or vice versa? Absolutely not. They taught the same message. What the Pharisees were really saying was, we like our religion and our traditions better than we like this guy. That's what they were really saying. And they kicked him out of the synagogue because they didn't want anyone that, that believed in that Jesus guy in their assembly. Jesus found them a little bit later and Jesus began talking to him and he said, Who is he, Lord? And Jesus said, I am he. John chapter 9, verse 38. And he said, Lord, I believe and fell down and worshipped him. have to see clearly to know who Jesus is. There's a lot of things that get in the way. Especially at Christmas time. I mean, there's so many things to do and so many places to go and people to see and, and gifts to buy and, 
and, uh, and subway strikes and all these things that go on around us. I'll tell you, if you're not careful, you'll let that stuff take your eyes off the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, I'm not preaching at you, I'm preaching with you. That's frustrating. And when we're not looking at Jesus, we're not looking at the right things. He said, I believe, and he worshipped him. On Resurrection Sunday morning, when Jesus was standing there alive after these women had seen him dead, and they had helped, and, and they went to the tomb to anoint the body, it says, and they went to tell his disciples, Behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail, and they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Later on, Jesus would appear to a group of 500 people at the same time on a mountain in Galilee. And in Matthew 28 and verse 17, it says, And when they saw him, they worshipped him. Didn't you know what it says? But some doubted. I don't know how you could doubt. Seeing the resurrected Christ. But you know, you... You cannot believe in something you don't want to believe in. You cannot be convinced of something in your heart if you've already said in your heart you refuse to accept it. That's why the Bible says in the book of Psalms, the fool has said in his heart there is no God. You can't say it up here with your head honestly because everything about this world logically points to a God. And I don't care what that Supreme Court or uh, uh, regional court guy says about intelligent design and all of these things. Everything in the world points to a creator. There's not one bit of real science that does not prove a creator. I mean, it just uh, if you have any questions, just try to take apart a blade of grass and then put it back together again. I dare you. Well, you can get it apart, but you'll never get it back together again. But God put it together, amen? Because He's the Creator. But you know, we have people today that still doubt. And as we contemplate Christmas and the worship and the birth and the first coming of Jesus Christ, and, and I can't begin to imagine the humility the, the condescension is the proper word that Jesus Christ went through to leave heaven's glory and come here and identify with you and me. But just a couple of things about worship. Because there's an awful lot that goes on today called worship that isn't worship. True worship always results in the elevation, in the lifting up of the object worshipped. If you have any question about that, just go to the new car showroom and watch all the people walking around worshipping the cars. I mean, there are people that get down on their knees a regular basis in front of their car to polish that paint job. I mean, they, they, I, some of you think I'm kidding, but uh, if you ever have a couple of hours you just don't know what to do with, 
just go sit at, sit outside one of those real fancy car lots and watch what people do when they walk in and look at them. It, it'll be fine worship. They 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 love those cars. I, I've seen bumper stickers. It says, "You can have my money." You can have my wife, you can have my kids, but don't touch my truck. I'll tell you something wrong when somebody thinks like that. Amen? But when you have true worship, everything we looked at right here, every one of these situations, even when the demon-possessed man came and worshipped Christ, Christ was lifted up. Amen? He was the one that was elevated above everything and all else that was around. The people worshiping, they did not care about their humiliation in the effort to lift up Jesus Christ. Paul put it this way. He says, we are fools for Christ's sake. I love the story of the, the old street preacher. Used to be over Times Square. Had one of those sandwich boards on. Had a big sheet of plywood on the front and one on the back. On the front it said, I am a fool for Christ. And people would look at that and they'd laugh at him. And he'd come up and he'd try to give you a piece of gospel literature and talk to you about the Lord. And, but then you saw the one that was painted on the back. And it simply said, whose fool are you? You belong to somebody. You give your life and your effort to something. I want mine to go to the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't care how crazy people think I am. And yes, I do believe in Adam and Eve and the Garden of Eden as a real place. I believe in creation in six days, just a little less. Then 6,000 years, right around 6,000 years ago, I believe that Noah really built an ark and there was really a flood. I believe it because the Bible says so. You say, man, that is silly. No, that's part of worship. That's part of worship. You can call me silly. Be my guest. You can call me foolish. And I have been called many things. I was told by... Uh, uh, person who thought themselves very wise while I was a student in Bible college. When you get older, you understand. I said, yeah, I do. This book is still true and you're still wrong. Amen? This is where the truth is. And by the way, you're never going to be accepted by the world as long as you're holding on to this book. It's going to result in the lifting up of the object worshipped and the humiliation of the worshiper. But true worship always does something. True worship always changes the life of the worshiper. Not a one of these people who worship the Lord Jesus Christ, even as the little baby in the, in the manger there, as the wise men did and the shepherds did, not a one of them left the same way they came. That's the problem we have today with this thing called worship in a lot of churches. 
is you can go and you can sit and you can go through whatever you're supposed to do, stand, sit, talk, uh, say amen, whatever you think you're supposed to do, and you go out just the way you came in. That's not worship, my friend. It's just the land of make-believe. Because if there isn't a real lifting up of Jesus Christ, a true humiliation of yourself, and a real change in the way you are, then there's no worship that goes on. The last part that we're going to talk about here, and we'll be done moments, worship, true worship, is never ever satisfied with what has been done. Read Revelation chapter 4 and 5, amen? Those beings around God's throne, those mighty cherubs, a real cherubim, my friend, is not a little kid-faced angel that floats around shooting arrows at people. They are some of the most mighty, powerful beings in the universe. You better pray you never meet one unless you're saved by the blood of the Lamb and you're there around the throne of God. That's the only place you want to meet one of these things. Otherwise, uh, it, it's not going to have a happy ending. Let me just put it that way. These cherubims cease not, night and day, to give praise to him that sits upon the throne. That's worship. There is no concern about themselves. Their only concern is he who sits upon the throne. If you want to know what heaven's going to be like, that's what heaven's going to be like. It's going to be a total loss of ourselves and who and what we are and how many times we have failed and it's going to be totally being totally consumed with the presence and the power and the greatness and the love and the kindness and the patience and the wonder of God's love and all God's people said let's pray Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this Christmas Eve. And Lord, my prayer is that this time tonight, just an hour spent here together, listening to your word read and singing songs, and then, Lord, the preaching of your word, I pray that this wouldn't be time that we would worship you that we would be willing to lift you up, that we would be willing to humble ourselves, that we would leave changed. And Lord, that we wouldn't be satisfied with what's been done in the past, but always striving to worship you more. We ask that you would do your work during this time of invitation. Lord, my prayer is that if someone is here tonight and does not know you as their personal Savior, that they would be willing to worship you in saying, I can't save myself, and putting their faith and trust in Jesus as their Savior. Lord, my prayer for those who are saved tonight, that we would take this time and just stop the schedule and all of the things that are going on and make sure that we are worshiping you day by day.
hour by hour. And that we are living in an attitude of lifting up Jesus Christ. We ask that you would work during this short time of invitation. And Lord, that you would send us forth changed. Having worshipped the Lord God of heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And what I've asked Julia to do during this time is to just come and sing that song that she did, Would You Come and Bow? And if you would like to right there at your seat, you can. If you'd like to come down and spend some time at an old-fashioned altar, you're welcome to do so. We're not going to be long tonight. We never are when it comes to the time of invitation because I'm not here to play the Holy Spirit and try to tug and drag you into doing something you don't want to do. As the song is, is sung, what we're asking you to do is to worship the Lord. You can do so in your seat if you're not saved. Would you just step out and come down and let someone take the Bible and show you how to be saved? That is the greatest uh, thing that you could do to show your worship to God. If you're just struggling with life, would you bring those struggles down here and leave them at an old-fashioned altar and go forth from this place to serve God? As the music plays, would you come? Shepherds kneeling in the night, wise men so wealthy, following his light, worshiping an infant of lowly birth. Jesus was his name, heaven's gift to Humble there your heart at his manger bed. Would you come and bow? Would you come and bow? Worship and adore Jesus Christ the Lord. Would you come and bow? Would you come and bow?
God's people said, Amen. Let's keep a tradition at Open Door Bible Baptist Church if we could. 705 if you need the words. As we're dismissed, let's take the name of Jesus with us as we go. Take the name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe. It will joy and comfort give you. Take it then where you go. Precious name, oh how sweet. Hope of earth and joy of heaven. Precious name, oh how sweet. Hope of earth and joy of heaven. Thank you for being with us tonight. Merry Christmas.